If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Friends, listen. This is the Word of God. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Friends, this is the Word of God. So we're finishing our series here on money from the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus has been teaching us in the last three weeks prior to this one how our money can actually draw us closer to God. That's what we've seen. And last week, we laid out really the four ways that God wants us to use money. You remember this from last week? He says, first, you want to tithe to the church. That's giving, returning the first 10% of your income to the church. Second, God wants you to use money to provide for your needs. Third, God wants you to use your money to celebrate life, to enjoy yourselves. And then fourth, God wants you to use money to care for others. And we ended last week voicing a concern that comes up pretty regularly. Uh, And that's the concern that says, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I I can't do this. You don't know what doing this would do to my budget. Like, if I followed this plan, man, just thinking about this makes me anxious, right? You don't know the kind of worry that would control me if I followed Jesus' plan. Well, Jesus says that actually the opposite is true. Jesus says the opposite is true. This is actually the plan that will free your life from anxiety. This is the plan that will actually set you free and enable you not to have to worry about money. Okay, and it's interesting because we've seen already money competes with God, right? Jesus said this just last week. Verse 24, you cannot serve God and money. And so there's these two things. There's God and money. And if you focus on one, you won't get enough of either. But if you focus on the other, you'll actually get both. Okay, in the last three weeks, we've seen Jesus describe how focusing on money doesn't get you what you want. Because money doesn't last, 
Money fills your life with darkness and selfishness. And then money pulls you away from God if you focus on Him. And so today in our passage, in verses 25 to 34, he flips it. Jesus is saying now, but if you focus on God, you'll get both. You'll get both. So that's what we're going to see. And so the thing that uh, anytime a biblical writer especially repeats something, uh, you know, emphasis is being drawn to it. And it's interesting because the first thing that Jesus says in verse 25, he says, do not be anxious about your life. Okay? And then he ends the passage. The last thing he says in verse 34, he says, therefore, do not be anxious. And then, right in the middle, Jesus says, <clears throat> what does he say in the other place? In verse 31, he says, therefore, do not be anxious about eating, drinking, what we wear. So you, you get the point, right? Jesus is pretty clear. Do not be anxious about money. Do not be anxious about money. Do not be anxious about money. Right? Are we good? Everybody clear? Okay, let's end. Let's go. This is one of those commands that sometimes isn't helpful. <laughs> How many of you are trying to be anxious about money? I mean, to me, the, the command, don't be anxious about money, you, you have to answer the why question. Right? Okay, great. So I know I shouldn't be anxious about money, but how and why? Like, why shouldn't I be anxious about money? Right? How can I not be anxious about money? And actually, if you read through this passage and study it, Jesus gives us seven reasons in this passage. There are seven reasons Jesus gives in this passage of why we shouldn't be anxious now, we don't have time to look at all seven of those in depth today, um, but the, the, at the core, at the core uh, of this passage, Jesus tells us where all of our anxiety about money comes from, okay? The reason that we worry about money, the reason we're anxious in life, it's at the end of verse 30. It's where he says, it's that last phrase where he says, O you of little faith. See that in verse 30? He says, oh, you of little faith. And so this is the first thing that I'd love for you to write down. If you want to take notes. First thing is that anxiety about money comes from small faith. Okay, anxiety about money comes from small faith. Our anxiety comes, really, it's from a lack of trust in God. Now, let me stop for a second and make sure that you understand. Jesus is not here insulting us. Okay? Jesus isn't calling us names. He's not being cruel here. Like, man, the reason y'all are so screwed up is because you have no faith. What's wrong with you? That's not what Jesus is doing here. Okay? This is not an insult. Actually, this is an analysis. It's an analysis. And if you, if you study, if you do a search... You do a Google search for the times when Jesus uses the phrase little faith. You'll find that in the, New, in the Gospels, Jesus uses this phrase six times. And he's always talking to his disciples. Okay, that's important. Why is that important? Well, because Jesus was training his disciples. Jesus was working with his disciples. Jesus was investing his life in his disciples. 
And so what Jesus is doing here is he's actually analyzing, he's helping, giving feedback to his disciples. He's saying, look, here's the challenge. The reason why you have anxiety about money is because your faith is small. And so part of what I want to do is I want your faith to grow. I want to teach you so that your faith grows, so that you don't have small faith. You know, I don't want you to anymore be people of little faith. And so Jesus is mentoring these people. He's mentoring them, and as he mentors them, he mentors us, because he's giving us reasons. And in this passage, if you want your faith to grow, you can just study this passage. If you read this passage, because what Jesus wants to do, he doesn't want to just say, look, don't be anxious, don't be anxious, don't be anxious, as though that's enough. What Jesus does over and over and over and over and over and over and over again in this passage is he says, look, don't be anxious because let me remind you of some things. Let me teach you about life, and then let me teach you about God. Let me teach you about God. It's interesting because for all of us here, Jesus' words are so pertinent. Jesus is saying, look, your worry about money comes because you're not trusting God. And so either, I mean, we kind of do this in a couple of different ways. Um, you either don't know God. You know, and this is for people, for, for those of you who aren't yet Christians, right? You're here, you're kicking the tires of Christianity, you're checking things out. And you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus. And so Jesus wants you to know that you can be free from money if you would trust God in your life, if your faith would grow. And he's going to show you exactly who God is. He's going to teach you things about God in this passage that will help you to know whether you want to trust God with your life or not. But it's not just non-Christians that have trouble trusting God. Right? As Christians, the same thing happens to us. Not because we don't have a relationship with God, but because typically we forget our relationship with God. Right? This just happens to us in the busyness of life, in the frantic pace of life, with all the things that we go through. Like, How often do you go, I mean, man, there's the, um, yeah, how, I mean, where you just stop and go, whoa, like, like, you sit down maybe to eat at lunch, and you think, man, where has God been all day? Right? We just, we forget. We forget about God in our lives. And Jesus wants to stop us and say, hold on. Hold on. Look, small faith forgets about God. So let's, let's have that faith grow. Okay, let's have that faith grow. And, and so before we look at Jesus' reasons, I want to say one other thing about small faith. Um, one of the things Jesus says elsewhere in the Gospels is that small faith is enough faith. Small faith is enough faith. Okay? God doesn't have this thing where, all right, here's the faith meter. Okay? And until you reach 50 decibels of faith in your life, you're not going to enter into heaven. Okay? And so those of you who are at like 10 or 15, or 20, well, you guys are started out, but until you get here, you'll have no assurance. That's not what Jesus says. That's not the gospel, okay? What Jesus actually says, and this is funny because he says this about little faith, he says, your faith can be as little as the size of a mustard seed. As little as the size of a mustard seed. I've got a mustard seed in my hand. You can't see, actually I don't, but if I had one, you wouldn't be able to see it anyways, Right? Because it's so small, it's tiny. 
And so Jesus says, look, if you believe in me just a little bit, and that's enough to get you into heaven. That's enough because actually it's not the size of your faith that matters. It's not the strength of your faith that matters. What matters is the strength of the one you have faith in. Are you with me? So you could have this much faith in a God who made the heavens and the earth, in the God who came and died for your sins. And if your faith is that small, it's enough. It's enough. So as we talk about growing your faith, what I don't want you to hear me say is that if you don't get to a grown-sized faith, then you don't have a relationship with God. That's just not how God works. God works with us, and we start out as children, as spiritual children, and God grows us up. So if you have this much faith, it's enough. And God is going to use his word, his spirit today to grow your faith. And as your faith grows, you're going to see it actually affect more and more of your life. And it will actually wash your worries away. Okay, so the faith that we're describing here, it's not about how to get into heaven or how to have a relationship with God. It's how to grow in your relationship with God. Are you with me? Does that make sense? Okay, good, because I want to make sure, because sometimes we get into this habit of thinking that the Christian life is this set of rules, right? And if you don't obey the rules enough, you're not going to get in. Man, that's not Christianity. That's the rest of the religions in the world. You have to do so much to get in. But Jesus came and said, look, I have come to live for you. I have come to die for you so that you don't have to do anything to be forgiven and have a relationship with God. That is good news. Friends, that is good news that Jesus wants us to hear before he takes steps to help our faith grow. So let's look. Jesus has a couple of reasons that are just more practical um, rather than religious. I mean, kind of practical. So let me, let me just give you the first one. Verse 25, Jesus says, look, reason one that you shouldn't be anxious about what you eat or drink is he says, look, life is a lot more than food. And the body's more than clothing. Okay? When he says the word life there, he's actually talking about your soul. Jesus is saying, look, you have a soul. And if you focus on stuff, if you focus on eating, drinking, it's not going to help your soul. Right? How many of you have experienced that? The fleeting pleasures of a new phone or a new car or a new job or a new relationship... And if that is the focus of your life, it will never, ever change your soul. And Jesus is here saying, look, reason number one, you got to, like, life is more than stuff. Life is more than stuff. But, and so if you focus on stuff, it's not going to help your soul. But if you focus on God, you get both. You get both. And we're going to talk about that. The second practical reason Jesus gives us is verse 27. He says, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? What Jesus is saying there is, worry doesn't work. Worry doesn't work. Worry all you want, it's not going to help your life. It's not gonna, Jesus says here, your life isn't going to get any longer. The studies actually show that it gets shorter. Right? The more you worry, the shorter your life becomes. Right? And so the worry that we feel about our life, oh man, what's going to happen? Oh man, what's going to happen? Jesus is saying, look, the more you do that, the less. It's not going to actually fix anything. 
It's not going to fix anything. It doesn't fix what's wrong. And so when we think about that, you know, I realized as I was studying this, you know, worry, worry is actually a trigger. It's a trigger. It sets us. It'll trigger you either to focus on your stuff or it'll trigger you to focus on God. That's how worry works, right? Our experience tells us this. And if you let your worry trigger you to focus on stuff, it'll actually lead you to worry even more and to be more focused on stuff. That's just how it works. But what Jesus is doing in this passage is he's inviting you. He's saying, let your worry trigger you to focus on God. If you can take your small faith or your no faith and let your worry trigger you to focus on God, that then worry becomes the thing that will grow your faith. And as your faith grows, it will sweep away the worry in your life. So Jesus is saying, use worry as a trigger to focus on God. That's the second thing I want you to write down. Let worry trigger a focus on God. And now Jesus starts to increase our faith with some, hey, with some reasons about God. Jesus says, look, I want your faith to grow, not because I just tell you to have more faith, but because I want you to know God. So Jesus says, let me tell you about God. And the first thing that we see in verses 28 to 30 is he tells us about lilies. Lilies. Now, the Easter lilies that we use today, those aren't the lilies that were around in Jesus' day. Different flower. Not sure why, but the lilies that Jesus was talking about were these. In the ancient world, this is what, this is what lilies were. They were really kind of like a tall grass or a weed that would grow. And it's amazing because these ordinary grasses flowered beautifully. Like they'd shoot up. I mean, just look at it. It's, it's delicate. It's pretty. It's, there's variety there. I mean, in terms of the way it sprouts off. And, and Jesus is saying, look, when you look at these lilies, you have to understand that God clothes the lilies. This grass of the field is what he calls it in verse 30. He says, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. And so that's actually what lilies were used for. It was a grass that was sort of just, as it grew up, it would, it would be cut down, and they'd use it as kindling in their fires because it was prevalent. They'd just go cut it down and use it in their fires to build their fires. And Jesus is saying, I want you to know about God. Let me tell you something about God. The grass that gets used after being alive for a day, right? It grows up, it gets clothed, it gets cut down and thrown in the fire. God clothes the lilies like this. They are truly beautiful flowers. There's a beauty about them. There's a, there's a sense of, I don't know, like when I see this, I see this thing growing up and then sprouting you know, with, with flowers that go in different directions. I mean, this thing communicates to me about the character of God, that God likes not just life, but God likes color. God likes beauty. God likes lovely things, delicate things. And he clothes the lilies of the field. And then Jesus says, how much more 
Will he not much more clothe you? I mean, what he's saying here is, look, this is how God treats the lilies, and you are worth more to him than that. So how's he going to treat you? How's he going to treat you? And then he goes on, he talks about birds in verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. So the birds, right? God feeds them every day. Every day God feeds the birds. And Jesus says, are you not of more value than they? You're worth more to God than them. And it's interesting because in verse 26, like Jesus is trying to paint for us a picture of God. He's saying you can know God by the things that you see in creation. In the world, you can see things and know about God. And so Jesus is saying, look, look at the birds. And look at the birds and see how they get fed every day. And in verse 26, Jesus says, it's not just that God feeds them, but Jesus says, your heavenly Father feeds them. It's like he's reminding us, if your heavenly Father is this good to animals, how much more will he provide for his sons and daughters? You are of much more value than they. And so this is, this is who God is. God is a God who cares so much about your needs that he provides for your needs. Jesus, when you think about God, Jesus wants you to think about a God who cares about your needs. Verse 32 even says, your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And so Jesus is trying to paint for us a picture. He's trying to introduce us to God. And in a sense, he's inviting us. Every time you see a flower, every time you see a bird, Jesus is saying, he wants you to know that they're cared for, that they're clothed beautifully, and that God loves you more than them. And if you rehearse this, If you preach this gospel to yourself, every time you see a flower, every time you see a bird, your image of God will slowly shift. It'll slowly shift, and you'll understand that God is your heavenly Father, that he cares for you. Now, how exactly does this work? You know, sometimes in the past I've read this passage and I've thought, wait, wait, hold on, so does this mean I don't have to do anything? Right? Can I just sit around and sort of just, maybe, maybe I need to pray. Just sit and pray. Right? If I wake up in the morning and just pray all day, by the end of the day I could check my PayPal account and somehow, miraculously, it'll be filled with what I need. Is that what Jesus is saying? No. That's not what Jesus is saying. Sorry. <clears throat> we need to look at this a little bit more closely. Look at what it says about birds. It says, they don't sow or reap or gather into barns. Well, so what do birds do? Do birds just sit in their nest and wait for food to fall from the sky? No. No, they don't. 
Birds actually go out and collect food every day. Translated, birds work. Birds work for a living. They go out and get their food. What Jesus is saying here is that birds don't gather a surplus. They don't gather into barns, right? Which Jesus warned us about doing a few weeks ago, laying up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. What happens, what birds do is they go out every day and God blesses their daily work and they are fed. Friends, God loves you even more than the birds. And so I think this reminds us, doesn't it, of the Lord's Prayer, right? What do we pray for? We pray, give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread. It's, it's like the manna in the Old Testament, where for 40 years, every day, God provided manna for Israel to eat, to keep them alive in the desert for 40 years every day. But they didn't just kind of go like this. They had to go out and they had to go gather it. They went out and got it. And they could only gather enough for one day. Right? Because if they gathered any more than that, it would spoil. And so God had built it, set up this way. And so what Jesus is saying here is that God's going to provide for you through the work that you do. The way that God provides for your needs is through the work that you do. So just like the birds, he calls us to work. And so, in a sense, if this might help you, you can think as you go to work every day, hey, I'm like Israel in the desert. And I am going to gather manna by the work that I do. Right? And this is how God is providing for me and my family, if that applies. And so again, this is God graciously providing for us every day. He provides for us, and he provides work for us to do. He provides, because this is who he is. And it's interesting, because another reason that Jesus gives for us, in terms of letting worry trigger a focus on God, is that uh, in verse 32, he says this. He says, The Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And so Jesus is saying here, you know, the Gentiles. The Gentiles were the non-Jewish people. These were sort of the pagans. They they believed in lots of different religions. They had different kinds of gods. And Jesus says, the people who are anxious about money, they're the people who don't know the they don't know your heavenly Father. Because what Jesus is saying is, if you know your heavenly Father, you don't have to be anxious. But the nations, they're anxious, and he's basically saying this because the gods that they have are gods that actually produce anxiety. Okay, what do I mean by that? Well, if you do some study on the other religions that were out there in Jesus' day, anxiety actually characterized their religions. Okay, because they had gods who were capricious and unpredictable. They would do things on a whim. They had gods who were constantly angry and constantly needing to be appeased. And so you were kind of in this spiritual treadmill where you felt like, well, if things start going bad, well, maybe I haven't done enough for for, for my God. Maybe I need to go offer another sacrifice. Maybe I need to offer even something even more. Maybe I need to... And it becomes this sort of downward vicious cycle spiral where you just end up completely anxious because you never know when the God that you believe in is going to zap you. 
And so Jesus is acknowledging, yeah, if that's what you believe about God, then yeah, you should be anxious. Because you have no promise that someone is there, that you have a heavenly Father who's taking care of you. But, verse 32, he says, but your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And so how do you know that Jesus is different from the gods of the nations? How do you know that you can trust your heavenly Father when all the nations can't trust their gods? Well, I think the answer to that is in the life of Jesus. Because Jesus is teaching people to trust. And Jesus, remember, is God who is coming. God who has come to earth so that we can trust. Jesus is saying, look, your heavenly Father knows that you have these needs. He knows exactly what you need, and he will care for you. And meanwhile, Jesus is God in the flesh who has come because even beyond money, you have a greater need. Even beyond money, you have a spiritual need. You have a need to know God and to be reconciled to him. Friends, all of us, we all live in ways apart from God. When we forget God, we sort of cut him out of our lives. That's what the Bible calls sin. And our sin separates us from God. And God knows that, and so God came, because it's not enough to tell us to come back. Because when he did, we didn't. And so God came to seek us out, like a shepherd seeking lost sheep. Jesus is God come to earth, showing just how much he cares And Jesus came to teach us. It's like Jesus came to grab hold of us and say, hey, 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 let me remind you of what's really real. And don't be anxious about money. God will provide. Instead, focus on me. Instead, focus on me. And it's like God, he wants to shake us awake from our sleep. And after we've woken up, Jesus says, okay, now, hold on because I really want you to know how much God loves you. And so Jesus went from teaching you not to be anxious about money. He says, don't be anxious about these things. Don't be anxious. And what Jesus did was he said, you know what? I am going to take on your anxiety. I am going to take your anxiety onto myself. Because Jesus came, and Jesus was always, you think about Jesus, he was always perfect. Jesus was perfectly focused on God. In every situation, when worry would tempt Jesus, it would trigger Jesus to go into the presence of God. He always sought God first. He always put God first in his life. And Jesus did this not just as a perfect example to us, But Jesus did this as a perfect savior for us. You got to understand this, that Jesus came not just to teach us, but he came to save us. And the worst anxiety that Jesus faced was the cross. The worst anxiety that Jesus faced was the cross. He was facing anxiety over the judgment of God, over dying for the sins of the world. 
This was the greatest anxiety that Jesus faced. And he faced it. I mean, Luke tells us what happened. This is Jesus the night that he was arrested, the, day, the night before he was crucified. And this is Jesus dealing with his anxiety. It says, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Jesus was so overcome with the temptation to anxiety, to fear about what was coming. He was in anguish over the cross. Anxiety over experiencing the hell of God's judgment on the cross for the sins of the world. Jesus knew what was coming. He knew that this is why he came. And yet, even though he knew, here he is in so much turmoil that his sweat became drops of blood. He literally sweat blood. And if you look it up, this is, I mean, it's a medical condition that happens when anxiety just is completely overwhelming. And what Jesus did, what did he do with his anxiety? He used his anxiety as a trigger to go to God. He prayed more earnestly. And this is what he prayed. He said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Jesus said, God, I don't want to do this. Please, if there's any other way to save the world, if people can be saved and reconciled to you in any other way, please don't make me go to the cross. And yet, he says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus faced with the same temptation that we're faced with. Do we want God or do we want our life? So the Jesus who says, don't be anxious about your life, is the one who, up to the brink, up to the brink in agony and turmoil, said, yet not my life. God, not my will, but yours be done. Friends, Jesus did this for you. He did this for you. He did this so that you could be reconciled to God so that your sins can be forgiven and washed away. He did this so that when anxiety about money comes up, you can know that the God of the universe who cares for you has died for you. He gave up everything. And Romans 8.31 says, He who, didn't, who delivered up his own son, how will he not also freely give us all good things? Man, if God has given his own son for you, then surely he will provide everything that you need. He will provide for your needs. Friends, this is the Jesus who invites you to focus on God. He's what he says, focus on God. Don't focus on your stuff. Let your worry trigger you to go into God's presence because he cares for you. He cares for you. Jesus says, this is your God. 
I would say, Jesus is your God. He's the one who cares. And so, just really quickly, third thing, a focus on God grows your faith. Right? Worry comes from small faith, so Jesus wants us to let your worry trigger us on God. You trigger to focus on God, and then your faith begins to grow. Your faith begins to grow. And this is what Jesus says in verse 33. He says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. If you focus on God, you get both. You get God, and then he'll add to you all the things that you need. And so what does this look like? Well, I want to just share two stories with you from folks that are part of our church family. Um, One of them uh, I I got to pray with. Um, This is someone who has debilitating anxiety about her job. Her job is overwhelming. Um, Works for a company that is years from getting back on track. And so they're in this incredible pressure to fix things, but they've got this like five-year plan to fix things. And so you know what it's like until that happens, right? And uh, so we prayed this week and just tried to, like, I really wanted her to hear from Jesus. I wanted her, and so we, as we prayed, I said, Jesus, what do you want her to focus on? What do you want her to be able to, to, to know what to do? Like, how do you want her to act to respond, Jesus, and I'm hoping that Jesus is going to tell her, okay, I want you to do these things. And so we're praying there, and it goes silent. And I'm sitting there praying, and the, 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 the thing that Jesus was saying to me for her was, I'm here. And I'm thinking, well, that's not, that's not an answer, you know? And so, so I asked her, I said, are you hearing anything? Are you hearing anything? And she said, you know, I just have this sense that he's saying he's with me. And I was frustrated. And I actually spoke out of my frustration. I said, that's frustrating. I was hoping that Jesus was actually going to give you some answers. And then this is what she said to me. She said, don't you see? There is more important There's something more important than the answers of what I have to do. She said, if Jesus is with me, I can do anything. And I was staggered. I was staggered. And my faith grew. (laughs) My faith grew. Friends, when you focus on God, it washes your anxiety away. 1 John 4.18 says, There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And when you bring God into the room with your fear, your fear will just flee. And so that's, man, that's everything. That's anxiety about work, that's anxiety about pressure, that's anxiety about money that can apply there. I mean, man, that's a focus on God that grows faith. And then just one more quick story. Um, this is a gentleman who's been asking, we've been praying for this gentleman for a couple of months to get a job. And every week he takes one of the prayer cards and he fills it in and he says, I need a job. You know, so we've been praying for him. 
and, uh, and I've been kind of nervous, you know, because we've been praying for him for months, you know, praying that God would get him a job, praying that he would make the connections, pray with, and so I'm getting ready to preach this message, and I'm thinking, you know, I can say what Jesus says and take great confidence in the authority of what Jesus says. But when you know people where it doesn't seem like Jesus is coming through with what he says, you catch my drift, right? Like, and so I'm thinking about this guy and I'm praying for him. And so I got to talk to him this week. I got to talk to him this week because I want to know how he feels about this passage with what he's going through, right? I figure if anybody's going to object, it'll be him. And so it was interesting because I want to know, does he think God is caring for him? Does he feel like God's left him hanging? You want to know what he said? I asked him, so how's it going? And he said, first thing he said was, thank you for praying. It's working. Like, do you have a job yet? He's like, well, no. No, but God is working. And he said, echoing the earlier prayer time, He's with me. God is with me and he's teaching me. And I've learned that there's actually, there are skills that I need to develop in order to get another job. And God is providing now what I need to be able to get that job. And he said just this week, God introduced me to someone else who's actually helping me. And I've got two interviews. And so I was asking him, well, so what are you doing in the meantime? And he said, oh, that's another miracle. God provided, when I got out here, I didn't have a job, but God provided for me a temporary job when I got here. And that has been meeting my needs and enabling me to get the training that I need. And I'm like, well, so do you doubt? Like, like how do you feel about this passage? And he says, you know, I don't always know why God does what he does, but I don't have to. He said, I have this deep, deep trust. And it all comes down to faith. And again, I was staggered. I was staggered. And my faith grew because of the testimony of people that can give credit to God in the difficulty. I mean, this is worry that's triggered into God's presence. Friends, this is how your worry can help you meet God. If you're worried about money, then take it in to God's presence. If you are lining up with God's uses for money, those four things we talked about at the beginning that we preached on last week, if you're lining up with that, man, God will provide for your needs. God will provide. He promises to. And for the bumps and the challenges, man, this is, God provides family. He provides a church that can help you get through those bumps in the road when it seems like one thing ends before another begins. Let your worry trigger you into God's presence and let him speak to you and draw near. Because if you focus on him, you get both. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you also for the way that you meet us. When life falls apart, Lord, when life is a struggle, when we are worried, 
Jesus, you come near us and meet us. We thank you for that. Jesus, I pray that you would now draw near to everyone in this room, to every one of us. Jesus, help us to picture you coming near and saying, I am with you. I am with you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see you this clearly, to feel your presence, so that we would know we're not alone. I pray that as a church family, we would gather around each other in our needs to pray, to provide for each other. And Jesus, for those who are here and aren't Christians, would you show them your outstretched arms? Would you show them how you took care of their greatest need on the cross so that they would know, no matter what happens in this life, that they're going to be with you forever? Help them to trust you. Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen.